Welcome to the New Books Network. I'm Chris Holmes, and this is Burned by Books. Here you'll find interviews with writers you already love, like Jennifer Egan and Rebecca Mackay, mixed in with up-and-coming voices like Alexandra Kleeman and Ruman Alam. You'll find us wherever you listen to podcasts, but check out previous episodes at burnedbybooks.com and on Instagram and Twitter at Burned by Books. Let's start the show. Every year, one of my absolute favorite episodes is the Bookseller Best Of episode, for which I get to interview independent bookstore managers and booksellers about the books that meant the most to them over the course of a year. This year, I welcome an exciting new bookseller to the program, Christine Ballo is the co-owner and director of programs for loyalty bookstores in Washington, D.C. and Silver Spring, Maryland. She is a 2022 Publishers Weekly Star Watch honoree, a graduate of Barnard College, and currently she serves on the American Bookseller Association's DEI committee. Christine is passionate about championing marginalized authors, both at loyalty and on her bookstagram, at Reading is Magical. My returning guest will be known to all who love books and who live in Ithaca, New York. Lisa Swayze, who is general manager and buyer at Buffalo Street Books, Ithaca's independent co-op bookstore. She serves on the board of the American Booksellers Association and works every day toward making indie bookselling more sustainable. We're going to spend this episode talking about Christine and Lisa's favorite books of the year, and also very excitingly for me, their most anticipated books for 2024. I know my listeners anticipate this episode and use it as a list from which to buy books for their favorite literature-loving family and friends. I can't wait to get started. Thank you both so much for being here. And I wanted to start with a question about the year in books. And it's something I think about every year after, you know, numerous interviews and tons of reading. I try and take stock of the year myself, but nobody's in a better position than independent booksellers to have a sense, one, of the quality and and kind of quantity of fantastic books that are sort of coming through your hands. But I also want to have a second part to that question to ask about how it was for independent bookstores this year. And I wonder, Christine, would you start out with those with that two part question? Oh, goodness. Um, Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be joining you all today. Thank Um, you for coming on. Absolutely. So I think, you know, this year was such a banner year for books. There were a lot of um, heavy hitters in the industry who came out with a new book like Jasmine Ward, Colson Whitehead, Viet Thanh Nguyen. Um, so there was like a lot of, you know, most anticipated lists and all all these amazing people had books that I was so excited about. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of readers were excited for. Um, for me, I at the beginning of the year, I chaired a the Indies Introduced panel for the American Booksellers Association. So I read a lot of debuts this year, and I have to say there were so many incredible debut authors that came out. Um, I love getting 
kind of on the the beginning of someone's career and getting to you know support them from the beginning and and see where they go where they when you know who's going to be the the people like Jasmine Ward that you know we follow their career over the next ten years. Um, mm-hmm. So it was extra exciting for me this year in that respect. Um, and for oh gosh, how much time do we have? <laughs> 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 um, I don't know. I it is have happened this year. It's been a hard year in general. I mean, I think I don't know about you, Lisa, but I know I and the store in general just really felt the fact that we have been dealing with COVID and and how much that's affected our business. You know, like everyone's just really tired this oh, year, mm-hmm. um, and that you know that collective trauma and grief. It's it almost felt like this year it really sunk in to a bone deep level like we've all just been trying so hard to get through it for the last however many years and now it just has felt like you know our bodies and our our psyches are like okay but you need to actually rest mm-hmm. is this this mm-hmm. um, so that's how it's felt at least for me it's amazing how how little I feel like we've processed the you know over a million deaths in the United States and just in general having had uh, the world shut down. Uh, it feels unprocessed and and although we do feel like we're you know emerging from the pandemic stage of things, not processing it is tiring. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Add to that as I jump in um, that. I, this just hit me yesterday. I was reviewing our bookstore financials, which is always a lovely, exciting, fun time, Christine, isn't it? It's so fun. And I I started to laugh out loud because it was like the November numbers, like we made a dollar something in profit or something like that. Oh, gosh. And I was like, we work so hard. There's so much that's going on, so many amazing things that are happening, and it's still just next to impossible to survive in the book industry. So as an indie bookstore, so that's still very much on my mind. Um, You know, we're doing a ton of things. We all do a ton of things. We do events. We work with people in our community. We're just all over the place, working our butts off and, you know, supporting our communities with books and readings. But the, the baseline is still just so, so hard to stay above water. So so that's weighing on me a bit in addition to everything else. Mm-hmm. Kind of always does, and yet here still I am. So <laughs> thank goodness for us. You Yeah. <laughs> oh, and um, but yeah, I agree it was a great year for books. And and Christine, I'm chairing the Indie Next panel this coming year. So following in your foot. Ah, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I love it. I'm so excited. It's true. There were some really, really big books. Those books continue to move. I mean, I think we're selling a lot of great books this season. I also think it was still a pretty dang good year for uh, books by diverse authors, however you want to define that. You know, so many of my favorite books of the year that we'll be talking about are by writers from marginalized communities in various ways, shapes, and forms, or are the stories of such. And um, it feels good to see those being put out into the world um, and very satisfying to be able to read those stories. 
Mm-hmm. So that still gives me hope, even though, you know, reality is it's still a very small piece of what's happening in publishing, but it's happening. So that gives me hope as well. There I go being optimistic despite it all. <laughs> I, I'm happy to hear a little bit of that optimism. Uh, and especially on that on that topic, which I actually want to come back to in, mm-hmm. in a second. But mm-hmm. I've asked you both here today to and to come with a, a list of things that really just blew your socks off, made you happy to be booksellers uh, that you wanted to sort of hand out to anyone who would who would take it. And I'm wondering if, if Christine, you would start with maybe um, your top three books of the year, if that's not too, too intimidating a question. Okay. So I just need to, I need to put it out there that I'm a Libra. I'm very indecisive. (laughs) And you're asking me to pick my favorites out of all of my book babies. Um, I know that's a cruel question. It's I very challenging. <laughs> so I just need to put it out there. <laughs> um, okay. So my first book, should I do all three right now? Yeah, or yeah that, that'd be do? great. Okay. Okay. So my first book that I have been just shouting from the rooftops about all year, it's called Shark Heart by Emily Habeck. It's I've it's, seen this incredible cover, but I don't know anything about it. It's such an amazing cover and it's it's a basically it's about a a couple in their, you know, early 30s or so. It's their first year of marriage and the husband, Lewis, he starts turning into a great white shark. <laughs> as, as one does. You know, as one does. Um <laughs> And and the wife, meanwhile, is like, well, they say the first year of marriage can be hard. Um, <laughs> and it's it's written like, I think, think night bitch, but whimsical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, it's just very magical. The, the, the prose is beautiful. And it's, it's one of those books that like transforms you. And it really talks about loss and grief and um, parenthood and, it's a it's a very original book. It's one of those books like I've been hand selling and telling you know everyone to read it, and everyone who I know has read it has absolutely loved it as well. It's it's a very special book to me. That um, tag of night bitch but whimsical that's going to take you a <laughs> lot of a lot right? of new readers for this book. <laughs> exactly. Um, I loved the short story collection when the hibiscus falls by um, Evelina Galang. Uh, she's a Filipino author. Um, it's a coffee house press, so, you know, small indie press. And it's this incredible short story collection that centers Filipino and Filipino-American women. Um, and it really explores sort of the the descendants and their ancestors and, like, what does it mean to be an ancestor or if you're a descendant kind of acknowledging the fact that you will be an ancestor one day. Um, and it also, I'm realizing all of my books are deal with uh, grief and loss. So mm-hmm. interesting. Um, but it all, yeah, it also deals with like grief and ghosts. And it's just an incredible, incredible story collection. Um, that sounds wonderful. And, and yeah. Coffee House Press puts out wonderful things. I think they're a great indie press. I agree. I love them so much. Um, 
Okay, and then I'll, ha I'll have one more to, to round out the three. Um, this book is a totally different direction. It's called Starter Villain by John Scalzi. Um, and it's just a hell of a lot of fun. Hmm. Um, this guy, he he inherits his estranged uncle's villainy business. Um, he doesn't <laughs> like he, the uncle has an evil lair with a volcano. Um, <laughs> there's uh, cats that are in upper management. Um, dolphins that like are trying to form a union and they say the word fuck a lot. Um, it's just one of those books that's like so, so fun. Um, if you were one of those people who, you know, and the orcas were like um, attacking billionaires' yachts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if, if you were enjoying that and kind of cheering on the orcas, you will love this book. Um, <laughs> it sounds like the greatest book ever. I don't, it really I'm is. mad that I don't know it. That's it's harder so, villain, right? It's such a blast. And it's very, it like really leans into the, you know, James Bond kind of tropes and, um, it's just, I love John Scalzi. He, you know, like, uh, I know Lisa, like I really focus most of the books I read are books by authors of color, books by, you know, queer authors. And John Scalzi is like the, the one white straight cis guy, <laughs> but like, I, you know, <laughs> like I love him and I will always, um, get excited for anything he reads. <laughs> Well, I wow, I'm excited for this book. I'm gonna make this my first post Christmas buy for sure. <laughs> those are those are three wonderful books and such a an immense uh, variety there with uh, with topic and uh, and tone. That thanks for that list, Christine. That's such a great three to start us on. Lisa, what were your three? If I'm not asking you to you know kill too many darlings, with I, that uh, very hard. I realized as I was writing these down that like my top seven or so are all pretty equal. So it is very hard. Oh man. All right. Well, we'll, we'll make sure we'll you have, all of them we'll have a chance to talk. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to, I want to talk about land of milk and honey by C. Pam Zhang. Um, this is a book that has just stuck with me. Um, I, I found it incredibly unique. It's a post post-apocalyptic novel where food has, become scarce. Nothing is really growing. There's nothing to cook with. And, you know, it, it posed the question of what does a young chef do now? And um, the young chef in our story uh, signs on to be the private chef at an exclusive experimental station in Italy owned by a billionaire where the only remaining food growing exists. Um, it's, it's sensuous. It's wild. It's really um, a love letter to food. And it's a lot about a woman's appetites. And um, I loved it. I, I love that book. I, it's mm -hmm. one of my top for the year. Uh, Christine, did you did you read it? I I love that book. It's amazing. <laughs> Completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's I haven't met too many people who've read it and not, you know, don't talk about it in, in very extraordinary terms. Yeah. And, and I her mean, first I, book was so great, too. Yeah. I love mm -hmm. that, too. And she was an Indy's next debut choice which, for her first book. Right. So there you go, bringing us right back to that again. Oh, amazing. Yeah. And I agree. Everyone who has read it loves it, but I feel like not enough people have read it yet. So that's why I wanted to bring it up. Um, 
an author I read for the first time this year, even though I've been hearing amazing things about them, is S.A. Cosby. And I hadn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hadn't. Um, I don't read a lot of that of like the thriller kind of genre, but I read, I actually read this, All the Sinners Bleed was this year's novel. And um, I read it when I was home with COVID. So I was very focused. I had nothing else to do. And it's such a dark and frightening thriller. It's centered on- It's the so dark. <laughs> it's so dark. Uh, uh, it's like literal black horror, but it's it's just so good. It, it, it's one of those, like you marvel at how does an author- create a story that is gripping with characters that are crazy, but believable. And at the same time, manage to weave in so much that tells you about life on earth today, what our society is dealing with. Um, it always amazes me when that happens. And, and anyway, this is a book about, it's a dark thriller about a fir the first black sheriff in a rural Virginia County. And he's trucking a serial killer and it, it just reveals everything about his small town. So can't recommend it highly enough. S.A. <laughs> Cosby just blew me away more than any mystery I've ever read. And in part, and this is exactly what you were saying, he manages an encyclopedic vision of American society like nothing I've ever read. <laughs> it's like you, you could read it as history. Right. Um, and and read it as political commentary and cultural studies. And he's he's referencing so much either explicitly or implicitly. And I just I think he's a genius. Yeah. Like in, in the proper sense of that word. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So now to something lighter. Um, uh, the other the third book I'm going to recommend is Second Chances in Newport Stephen by T.J. Alexander. This is T.J. Alexander's third romance novel that we've carried. Um, they've also been to see us several times. They've been at our book festival um, the last two years, which is great. Um, in this story, a trans man returns to his parents' home in Florida after losing his job. And while there, he rekindles a relationship with his ex-boyfriend from high school back when he thought he was a girl. and. It's it's sensitive, it's funny, it's insightful. The way that information is handled and the way that transness is explained is so easy and basic. It doesn't bog down the storyline. It just, it's, oh yeah, that's when we used to think they were a girl, but now they're, they weren't really. And so that's, that's it. That's all you have to say. Mm. Um, it's really lovely. And I, I got a lot of joy out of it. It sounds great. Uh, an another great three that are so different, um, but equally amazing. I'm I'm wondering if I can switch us for a second to have you think about your list that that was included maybe one or two books that you really felt weren't on the radar and really should have been. And maybe that's something you've already mentioned. But are there things that you know flew under the radar? should have been big books, weren't, and hold a really special place in your heart when you think about this year's books. Yes, I have something that comes to mind immediately, if I could jump in. Yeah, Christine, please. <clears throat> so it's a, a short story collection by Megan Kamale Kakimoto, and it's called Every Drop is a Man's Nightmare. And it's 
uh, uh, the author is um, Japanese and Native Hawaiian, and it's all about um, you know Hawaii contemporary Hawaiian life, but it really focuses on the people who live there, the people who are indigenous to Hawaii, not like you know the the very um, shiny touristy version of Hawaii mm-hmm. that is usually seen and celebrated. Um, I think for people who liked um, Long Live the Tribes of Fatherless Girls or Sabrina and Karina, they would really like this book. Um, my I'm my husband's from Hawaii and um, I haven't been back since before the pandemic and reading this book felt like coming home. You know, like I could really, it really um, just just appeal to all of the senses. Like I could smell smell the flowers. I could I could feel the 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 salt air like rushing through my my hair when I read this book. It's absolutely incredible. Um, I think I am very excited to see what the author comes out with next. And um, you know, especially debut authors, it's hard to get attention for, and especially indigenous authors. Um, and I, I really like, I would love more people to read this collection. It's absolutely incredible. It sounds wonderful. And that title is, is a killer literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa, do you know that one? Yes, but I haven't read it. All right. Well, it's on, yeah. it'll go on both of our lists. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Lisa, what, what flew under the radar, but is, uh, really special to you? I, uh, this is another hard one for me because, um, you know, I choose the books for our subscription book club and I really, I often am trying to pick not the book that everyone expects. You know, I love me some Jasmine Ward, but I'm less likely to choose that because she's already known. And so I try to, I pick quite a few of those books along throughout the year and I've got to say two of them because two of them that I did that with this year really stick out. One is the Berry Pickers by Amanda Peters um, in the story of four-year-old um, girl, indigenous girl goes missing from a blueberry field in Maine. Um, her family is a migrant workers working on the, there and they've done it year after year. But the girl goes missing and then we go through the next 40 or so years of her and her new life. Um, where she's a daughter of a white couple and she's the only child. And she has these strange like inklings that something's off, but she doesn't really remember as well as the story of her family and the loss they experience and, and what happens to them. um, The trauma that has been created in both families based on this act. Yeah. It just, it's really impactful. And I, I recommend people read that. And the other one is The Great Reclamation by Rachel Heng. It was the mm-hmm. historical fiction set in Singapore uh, at the end of the, toward the end of British rule there. And I learned so much that I did not know. I love when fiction teaches you history. And it was really lush and detailed for the setting and the time and the place. And it's a very complicated, um, complex examination of character and the choices that people make under extreme pressure. So both of those are highly recommended. 
And that's uh, the great reclamation. I think her weight of amazing reviews and critical reception to number of people knowing about it might take the cake for biggest under the radar. <laughs> that book was just lauded from the hilltops by the critics. But I, other than you, I don't know anybody else who's read it. I, I thought it was amazing. Uh, Christine, did you did you come across the great reclamation? Um. I I went to like a pre-publication bookseller event, a virtual event with the author about the book. And I'm so glad you mentioned it, Lisa, because it's been on my radar, but I haven't read it yet. So I'm definitely going to read that over the holidays. Um, and I also did love The Berry Pickers as well. I think they're going to both also be excellent books for like book clubs in the coming years because there's just a lot to talk about. So it'll be fun as they come out in paperback. Maybe they'll get more attention. Then. Yeah, I want to come to the Berry Pickers book club. That That's going to be okay. a great discussion. You can, you, can, you can help lead it, Chris, okay? okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to ask, a note before I get back to the meat of your lists, I'm always interested. I, I agree with both of you that I thought this year had so many heavy hitters sort of return to the to the fore. And I wonder what was the heavy hitter book that you thought really succeeded in terms of meeting expectations or, you know, becoming another classic in that particular author's canon. Uh, maybe your answer is none, uh, but but perhaps each of you had one that, you know, it, it delivered in the way that the anticipation would have uh, you would have imagined. I think there's a couple. It's Lisa. I'll just jump in again. I, I won't tell a lot about each of them, but um, Ann Patchett with mm -hmm. Tom Lake. It was just, it, it's an instant classic in my mind. It's just a beautiful book. And it reminded me of some of her very earliest work, which is when I first fell in love with her. I, I think I liked it better than a lot of recent ones. So that's one. James McBride, The Heaven and Earth Grocery Store. That was really good. And of course, Jasmine Ward's book is amazing. What about you, Christine? Um, yeah, definitely agree with all of those, Lisa. My most anticipated book of the year was A Man of Two Faces by Viet Thanh Nguyen, who's mm. my favorite author. And um, I definitely have to say that that exceeded expectations. Wow. I had very high expectations. <laughs> and uh, Viet is not just resting on his Pulitzer Prize laurels. <laughs> <laughs> like he's still, you know, playing with form and um, his his wit and humor really came through in the memoir. I absolutely loved it. Also, Chinking All Stars oh, comes yeah. to mind as, as just an absolutely incredible book. And yeah, those are the two that really come to mind for heavy hitters. Viet has has been in Ithaca a number yeah. of times, and every time I, I find him so remarkably funny and witty and modest and, mm -hmm. and just a a great person to hear talk about his process and his work. Yeah. Uh, so I haven't read that yet, but just my fondness for him will will drive me to that for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I feel he's like, amazing. yeah, he is. And I feel like everybody read read, uh, read Chain Gang All Stars, and they mm -hmm. and they should. I mm -hmm. mean, it's it is a true blockbuster in every sense of that word. Uh, so I want to turn to the meat of your lists and have you talk about a, a few others that you're um, you know particularly excited to recommend and maybe make um, you know at least one of them be one that 
fits in the you know the so-called genre literature world. That's a, a a term we can trouble as we're talking about this. But if you have one of those, I know a lot of listeners are really excited about romanticals and mysteries and horror. So if any of those show up in in your list, that'd be great. Uh, but otherwise, just a few more from your list. Christine, do you want to start off? Yes, sorry, I'm I'm feeling indecisive now. Maybe Lisa could go. Yeah, Lisa could start. (laughs) Yeah, I can go first if you like. I would say in in genre, the other book that blew me away this year um, was another mystery horror horror mystery, more of a horror. Lone Women by Victor Laval. It was just such a great, expansive book about a. Uh, a, a woman with a disturbing past who takes her large trunk and moves to a homestead in Manta- Montana. And when the trunk is opened, horrors are unleashed. And um, so are all of her emotional wounds brought back to the surface. And uh, I loved the the storytelling, but then I loved the women characters and the way that ultimately this is a story about how women take care of each other. That's pretty cool. That book uh, blew me away. I, I love Victor Laval and, and think he's a, another one of those people on, on the genius list for me. Uh, but boy, that book got under my skin. It was so eerie and and wonderful. And as soon as that trunk starts like bouncing around and moaning, you're like, this is this is bad. This is not going to go well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Two other books I'd love to highlight um, both have sort of local connections for us here in Ithaca. Um, one is by my friend and former bookseller at Buffalo Street Books, Kate Doyle, whose debut short story collection is called I Meant It Once. Um, and it's a collection of short stories that you can't stop reading once you start, which is not always true for short story collections. And there's stories about how young women um, navigate the world, um, how they're searching for meaning and their true selves, how they're working around sort of misogynistic structures. It's it's very profound and yet feels almost light some of the time, too. And it's funny and clever. It's really lovely. And, Kate was a great guest and mm-hmm. loved talking with her. Yeah. And then I, I'm pretty sure you also have this author on, um, Jennifer Savron Kelly with her book End Papers, which was also a debut, but it's a novel. Uh, it's set in 2003, uh, a young book conservator who unearths a hidden lesbian love letter, letter in the binding of a book and feels compelled to search for the writer. And as they do that, they also uncover their own gender identity by a very, very dear and lovely person in our community. So, uh, couldn't happen to a better person to have their their debut book published. Yeah, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have Jen on in February. Actually, there you go. <laughs> I'm, that's a that book has been getting I think wonderful attention and yeah. and responses all over the place. So I'm and really it's now out in paperback just in time for holiday giving. So there you go. Ooh. Thanks for going first, Lisa. I need I needed it. I absolutely loved Lucky Red, um, which is a queer. Uh, Western 
you know, it's it's very reminiscent of like Westworld or um, Deadwood, but it focuses on the women who are in the brothel. It's the main character is super messy. Um, <laughs> you just want to be like, why are you doing this? <laughs> but you're, you know, it's a really fun ride still. And you really fall in love with the characters, even if they're being messy. Um, it's super queer. It's a very cinematic book. Like you can just really picture the whole thing as you're reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's such a great uh, twist and and uh, reinvention of the the Western genre. So I absolutely recommend that one as well. I love um, that too. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. excited for that one. The <laughs> the Westworld connection sounds really fantastic. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just like a good, fun read too. Bar room um, rolls and everything. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then I have one that's a graphic novel um, uh, by Filipino author. Um, oh gosh, I am blanking on the author's name, but the, the graphic novel is called Man in the Macintosh Suit. And it's set in the 20s. Um, it's a, a Filipino migrant worker um in california and um a filipino a farm worker and so he gets this mysterious letter from his wife and goes to san francisco to try to find her and gets like it's sort of this take on a detective noir uh mystery and but you know coming from the perspective of Filipino immigrants. Um, it's really engaging and it's the artwork's really cool. I really liked that book and I haven't seen anyone else really talking about that one. So I yeah. think uh, if you like graphic novels, it's it's definitely a good one to pick up um, or like the I, kind of noir style. Yeah, and I don't know too many graphic novels that are in noir style. Yeah, same. I think that was the first one I've ever read um, in that kind of style. That's really exciting. I, I wonder, uh, Christine, before you mentioned having, you know, consumed an extraordinary number of debuts, many mm-hmm. of which you you really liked. And and I wonder if the two of you had a sense of maybe one or two debut authors that you thought this is a person who I'm going to be paying attention to and is going to, you know, explode out of the gate and, and have big things coming forward. Definitely the the. Hawaiian short story collection I mentioned before. Okay. Um, Remind me the Megan Kakimoto. Uh, Megan Kamale Kakimoto. Okay, great. Um, I'm I'm just really excited for her career. I think she's going to have a a long, lovely career. I'm excited to follow. I mean, honestly, it's probably Kate. Um, Ah. You know, it's it it you can't help but be excited when. I mean, having known her as the book was getting, you know, was sold and picked up and went through the process of being printed and edited and all the things, and then um, to just see the reviews and the attention she's gotten, it's just super exciting. What of the of the books that you, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be one that you're necessarily excited about, but what was the book that flew off the shelves for you at, at your stores? And, you know, that maybe it was a surprise. Maybe it was like, oh, of course, this one's going to fly off the shelves. But I'm interested in what actually maybe made some money in the in the book world. For us, we've we definitely like a lot of, you know, genres at, at Loyalty and we have 
an amazing uh, frontline books bookseller, Char Charday, who is extremely passionate about Black love and Black romance. And I swear, like, she has just single-handedly sold through all of our romance books. <laughs> <laughs> um, so those It's amazing what hand-selling can do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just it's just so wonderful to see how much of a difference, you know, one person championing a genre or championing, you know, books that really matter to them and how people really, you know, they pick up on that excitement and that genuine enthusiasm. Um, also, I think um, Angie Kim's book, um, Happiness Falls, oh, yeah. is one yeah. that's done really well for the store and she is local to the D.C. area. And she's just someone that we all genuinely like and care about. Um, and it's even better when the people you like are amazing authors. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, and it's, yeah, that's been a book that's just, we we sell it consistently. Um, it's on, you know, our holiday gift guide list. And um, it's it's a book that like, you know, you could get for a lot of people in your life um, who, would, who would really like it. Angie was one of my favorite guests of the year. So smart, <laughs> oh, so interesting. Fabulous. Uh, so great to talk to about craft and the, all the substance that goes into her thinking about her her books. I really enjoyed her. Uh, when Christine, when you got talking about hand selling, my my brain went in a completely different direction. But this won't surprise Chris because I've already been recommending this book. The ultimate hand sold book this year at the store has to be the young adult graphic novel, The Princess and the Grilled Cheese Sandwich. Which Lisa sold directly to me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's funny because it first came to my attention because at the ABA's Children's Institute last this summer, I there was a line a mile long to get this book and see, meet the author. And I didn't wait in line and I was like, I am getting that book to see, <laughs> you know, what it's all about. Brought it back and every I, I think at least four booksellers have read it and we've all been recommending it. Um and it's just a very um, it's sweet. It's funny. The drawings are clever, and it's about a, a a young princess who can't become the leader of her kingdom. So she disguises herself as a prince and goes to another kingdom and falls in love with the princess there. And mm -hmm. they all love grilled cheese sandwiches. And in terms of books that have just sold. Really well. I mean, we had Sadie Smith at Cornell this year. So the fraud between that event and just everything before and after has been selling really, really well for us. That's a, a big top seller for us this year. And hearing uh, Zadie read and doing all the voices, I, I felt like she sold a book to every person in that room, whether they oh. knew who she was or not. She just absolutely clobbered that reading. And and I think sometimes an author just really putting on a show with their reading can can sell some some big time books. Not that Zadie needed any help selling yeah. books. She'll be fine. <laughs> Uh, so I want to turn to the books that you are anticipating uh, in the coming year. And I know that one of the, the the treats in a in an otherwise difficult job being in the indie store world is getting to know ahead of time what the, the great books of the year are going to be, getting a chance to read some of them, learning about them from the publisher reps. But I'm dying to know what is coming down the pike and what you're excited about. 
I have so many on this one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's good news. I know. I think, I think I feel more excited at this point this year than I did last year. So that's cool. Oh, wow. Um, I can maybe mention two of mine and then you can go, Christina. And if we have time, we'll do some more. How's that sound? That, that sounds great. American Daughters by Maurice Carlos Ruffin. Ruffin, I'm not sure how he pronounces his last name. Uh, that's coming. Ruffin. Thank Look, you. You can't see me, but I'm clapping my hands. Oh, good. I'm very excited to clap too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so good. It's historical fiction set in New Orleans and um, enslaved and free Black women, you know, quite literally take uh, their power in their lives into their own hands. It's very, very evocative. It's powerful. It's it's really, really good. Loved it so much. And if I'm going in order of when they're coming out, um, Anita De Monte Laughs Last by Zochiel Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. Chris, I know you know her. Um, it's really, really good. It's perspective on the elite art world and its treatment of women and those from marginalized communities. It's it's heartbreaking. <laughs> uh, it's told in sort of two timelines and Anita DeMonte and our younger um, contemporary protagonist. It highly recommend. I'm so excited that Sochil has another book because mm-hmm. I really, I really loved her first one. Yeah. Um, I don't. I I didn't write down the pub dates for mine, so I don't know. <laughs> when they, I don't remember when exactly they come out. Um, but the first one that I'm super, super excited for is Memory Piece by Lisa Ko. I loved her first book, The Leavers, um, which came out. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't remember. What is time? Um, <laughs> it came out before the pandemic. That's all I remember. Um, it's about three Asian-American women and their friendship, um, you know, starting from their teens to, to late adulthood. It, I think it starts in the 80s and goes until like 2040. Just, I love Lisa's writing. I'm very excited for that one. I have, I've had the book just on my nightstand and I, I can't wait to pick it up. But I, I haven't read any of my anticipated reads yet that will be coming out. Um, my other book, um, it's one of those authors that, you know, I think more people should know, especially if they like genre fiction. Um, Victor Manibo, a queer Filipino author, um, he he wrote *The Sleepless*, which came out a couple of years ago. Um, this new book is uh, is called *Escape Velocity*, mm-hmm. and the, the sort of tagline is "Knives Out in Space," um, <laughs> but with like a a, a parasite twist, um, which really got me um he writes like kind of propulsive sci-fi thrillers that have sort of a literary quality to it um and yeah like i said he's queer he's filipino i am also queer filipino and filipino so i'm naturally drawn to those authors and and books and want to support them and i i really loved his first book so i can't wait to read this next one Parasite Twist sounds like a horrible dance move. Uh, but <laughs> that is um that that's a book that sounds right up my alley. I'm excited for Escape mm-hmm. Velocity. Would you yeah. would, would you each want to offer one more uh, anticipated book before we we sort of close things out? Well, yeah. go ahead go for it, Lisa. Well, I'm really torn, but um I'm going to have to say um the new Percival Everett, which is coming out in March as well. The, it's called James, and it's 
it's the story of Huck Finn told from oh, wow. the enslaved person Jim's perspective. And it's incredibly insightful. It's very evocative and lush. The this, this setting just feels like you're, you're in it. And it's funny. Um, it's really, it, it made me, I've heard, you know, I've heard great things about Percival Everett forever and had never read any. So now I'm on a, I've got to go read everything after that one. So I'm really excited about that. And and have you seen the uh, that the adaptation of uh, Erasure is is uh -huh. getting incredible yep. reviews? Yes. So I'm excited to watch that. I think it's called American Fiction. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah, that sounds great. My my last book to talk about is a romance um, called Looking for a Sign by Susie Dumond. Um, she wrote Queerly Beloved, which mm -hmm. came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. It's So it's about a, a newly single woman. I think she's in 29, 30, you know, like right on the cusp of a big transitional period. And she sees this like a psychic or an astronomer or something. And and uh, inspired from that, she decides to date uh, date from some someone who, who is um, every zodiac sign, <laughs> and <laughs> and you know it's kind of like a little mystery component too because it's a romance, but you don't know who she's going to end up with. Um, you know, is she going to be with a Leo or a Sagittarius? Or anything? <laughs> who knows? Um, and it just uh, you know, Susie writes like just such uplifting, queer, joyful joyful queer books um and i i'm very excited for this one it just it just looks like a lot of fun and i'm definitely one of those like you know i like to look at my my horoscopes so i think i think it'll just be a fun read for anyone who's a horoscope girly yeah <laughs> my my uh college students are going to go nuts for that, <laughs> for that book that's going to be a, a top seller for sure <laughs> Well, I, it's been such a pleasure to talk with both of you about the state of books this year and things you're anticipating coming up. I know that uh, for folks in the D.C. area, you probably already know loyalty bookstores, but you should seek them out otherwise and try and find Christine to hand sell you uh, some of their uh, favorites. And for those in Ith Ithaca, Buffalo Street Books is our local independent cooperative bookstore. And Lisa will be there to greet you and give you her top hundred favorite um, books. So I, I'm great. Grateful to you both. Independent bookstores are such a deeply important space in our in our culture and our lives. So thank you for being here today. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. And, and yes. I will be um, putting the entire lists from both Christine and Lisa up on the website. So you will have a chance to do a, a little bit of pre-holiday shopping if you've got some last-minute books to to select, you will want to check this list out. So thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. Thank okay. you. Well, that's all for me for now. My thanks to Christine Ballo and Lisa Swayze for coming on the annual Booksellers Best Of episode to discuss their top books of the year and most anticipated for 2024. You'll find their complete lists of recommended books at the website, 
burnedbybooks.com. There you'll find all of our previous episodes, links to buy a podcast t-shirt, and ways to get in contact. As you listen, take a moment to rate the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Until next time, this has been Burned by Books. Thank you.